Well, it's so great to have everyone here this morning. Uh, welcome if you're visiting us, and of course, always welcome if you're online. It's good to be together, see you all this morning. Well, um, outside on the church, on the road, there have been different attempts, haven't there, to set up some kind of speed uh, faces. So if you're, if you're going 40 or below, there's a, a green smiley face that comes up for us. And if we're going over the speed limit, there's a, a sort of angry, a sad red face. And it's not really taken off, has it? It's been up a couple of times. Uh, but when it was first put up, I thought, what if instead of measuring the miles per hour, it measured um, how I was feeling or my mood or attitude in coming to worship God um, and, and to be here this morning? And um, I wonder what sort of face it would have shown up if it could do that for you this morning. You're feeling like David where he said, I, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord, let's worship God together. Or perhaps the red face would have come up this morning where you're saying, if only you knew the struggle I've had to get out this morning, uh, to get together the family this morning and all the rushing around. Or if only you knew the week I just had and the struggles, I'm completely exhausted. But sometimes it's not one or the other, it's a kind of a mix, it's a purple, isn't it, where we, we have our, our joys and, and in between mixed with that are our difficulties and the trials that we face. And um, our first song that we're going to sing encourages us, whoever we are, whatever we go through, uh, to come and focus on God, to worship him. And you know, within God, there is inexhaustible capacity for all of our needs, however much of a mountain they seem to us. So let's stand and sing together. Come people of the risen King. together. Let's pray. 
Lord God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this privilege uh, that we have this morning to come and to worship you. Lord, bless each one of us here, and Lord, we ask that you'd, in our hearts, give us a, a song of praise, a song of thankfulness and worship to the living God. Lord, you know how we have come here this morning, and you see right into um, the heart of us, you see into our experience, and more than we can do, you see our tomorrow. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, but do help us to come like David, who said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Help us to have that uh, sense of awe and praise, the realization that you are our creator, and that everything we have is a gift and provided by your gracious hand. Lord, maybe we've become like Hannah, who had a great trial and sadness that nobody else knew about, and yet uh, she prayed to you and found great help, and you answered her prayers. Maybe we feel like Asaph, who was in the mad, confusing world where the wicked seemed to prosper and those who were living God's way seemed at a great disadvantage, all until he came to your house and everything was put into perspective as he thought of God and his ways. Lord, help each of us to come like the tax collector with nothing, no righteousness to bring to you, but simply to say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. So Lord, however we come today, help us to spend this time to focus on you and your word. Lord, how good it is for us to know you better. How well-founded our faith is in God when we know God. And we do that this morning as we come to praise you, as we come to pray, as we come to read from your word, as we come to sing truth and praise to each other and to you. And as we come to hear your word preached, Lord, we need that to build up our faith, to draw us to you, to strengthen us. So, Lord God, as you... Your grace is sufficient for all of us and all of our needs. We um, bring ourselves to you this morning in uh, worship, in confession of our sin, in thankfulness to your love and your provision for us. Amen. Well, we've come to the end of the letter of Paul to the Colossians, and that's our Bible reading this morning in chapter 4, and it's on page 985, and we're reading from verse... 7 to the end. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 4 and verse 7. And these are the final greetings that Paul has for the people he's written the letter to. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I've sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that you may encourage your hearts, and with him Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. They will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him and Jesus, who is called his justice. These are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God. And they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Aeropolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, 
See that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains, and grace be with you. Well, John will be preaching from that last part of uh, the letter to the Colossians a bit later on. We're going to sing again, and uh, the world encourages us to be so taken up with ourselves. And in fact, we don't need the world to do that. We so often are slightly obsessed with ourselves, aren't we? But it's so helpful for us to be brought back to God. And then things get put in the right order for us. And that's what this next song does. It helps us to focus on God and a little bit more of who he is and encourage us to be more taken up with him and to worship him. Let's stand and sing this. And then afterwards, John Fuller will do the children's talk at the front. So children, come up for that. Thank you. this morning and I'm going to, just going to speak to you just for, for a few minutes but it's not just for you that I want to speak to today. I do want to speak to you but I want to speak to all of you in here really and especially you guys up in the balcony as well so hopefully your ears are listening today while I speak to you but before I start I want to tell you a, a little bit of a story what happened to me. Now I've got something that I'm going to just put up here so who, what is this? Fire. fire and it's a nice bonfire isn't it and I've got a story about a bonfire and um, one day I was with my dad and I was probably about 12 or 13 and we were making this big fire, we are chucking lots of wood in it and it was getting really, really hot, the flames were getting higher and higher and my dad came up to me and said, um, I've got to go now for a, for a moment, John, can you make sure you don't chuck anything else on the fire and just leave it be? I said, yeah, no problem at all, dad, I'll do that, I won't put anything else on, I'll leave it until you come back because he's really worried about leaving me with this fire. Anyway, down by the fire, there was a can like this. And it had petrol in it. 
And um, I was looking at the fire and I was thinking, well, he told me not to um, put any more logs on the fire and any more wood in it, but it was starting to get lower and lower the flame. So I thought, do you know what? I'm going to get that can of petrol because it won't really make much of a difference. He won't really notice. And I got the petrol and I put it on the fire. And this is where the problem started. I lit the fire and it shot up in the air and it got really, really big. Anyway, my dad came back and he looked at the fire and it was really going high and just blazing. He said, John, have you chucked any wood or petrol on that fire? I said, no, Dad, definitely not. I've not chucked any petrol on the fire. And he'd said, are you sure? I said, I really didn't chuck any petrol or any more wood on the fire. And then he said, I think you need to go and look in a mirror. So I was like, what's going on? So I went up to the house, I looked in the mirror, and I'd burnt all the hair on my head, I'd burnt my eyebrows, and I'd burnt my eyelashes, completely singed. And he saw that I'd completely lied to him, because even though I told him I hadn't, he could see by the way that my hair had been singed and that my eyebrows were singed, he could tell that I'd put the petrol on the fire and that I'd lied to him when he'd asked me not to do that. And we know we should listen to our parents, don't we? And I thought I could get away with it. I thought, he's never going to know if I put the petrol on, but he was able to. And it got me thinking about God. And it got me thinking about the things that we do, that we know that we're not supposed to do, but we do. And sometimes our parents might not see it, but there is somebody that can see the things that we do wrong, the sins that we do. And I've got a verse up here. And it's in Numbers, it says, But if you will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord. Be sure your sins will find you out. And I just want to highlight this bit here. Be sure your sins will find you out. Now, like I said, my dad could see what I'd done, even though I'd lied to him. But sometimes when I was younger, I used to do terrible things that my parents didn't know anything about. And I kept it to myself. I wouldn't tell them. I did really, really naughty things. And I always thought that I could get away with it. But when I became a Christian, I realised that all of those things that I'd done wrong, all of those nasty things I'd done and naughty things I'd done, there was one person that would always know what I'd done, and that was God. God knows every single thing that we do wrong, every single day of the week, every single moment, every single second. God knows when we sin, God knows when we are naughty, when we are bad, when we do things wrong. And I realised this, I'd done all these bad things and I did all these naughty things and God can see each and every single one of them. I might be able to hide it really well from my parents, I might be able to hide it really well from my friends, but you can never, ever, ever hide it from God. And the Bible tells us, be sure your sins will find you out. God will know and he will see everything that you do. And I was really worried about this, I was really scared and thinking, oh no, I've I started to realise that there is a God, I believe in God, and now I'm remembering all these bad things that I've done, all these sins that I've committed against him, how on earth can I be forgiven for them? But the amazing thing is, we have an amazing and wonderful and loving and caring God. And I've got another verse up here, and it says, I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. And I think this is amazing. Even if we feel we've done bad things wrong, we hide them from people around us and our parents, if we're truly sorry and we come to God and ask forgiveness of our sins, he completely forgets them. They are completely blotted out. They are remembered no more. And this is something that really helped me when I was a young Christian because it really, really helped me to understand just how loving and how amazing God is because all of those bad and wrong things that I'd done when I was younger, I didn't have to worry about them anymore. I didn't have to be scared and worried what's going to happen to me because the Bible tells me if we're truly sorry and we're truly um, ask forgiveness for our sins, God completely forgets them. And I think that's amazing, isn't it? That is really, truly amazing. And I just think it's wonderful because sometimes, I don't know if you're the same as me, sometimes somebody might do something to me or say something horrible or nasty and I say that I forgive them, but genuinely in our hearts, sometimes we don't really, do we? We still hold it there, don't we? And we're still worried about that person and what they said. But God's amazing. He never holds it against you. He forgets it completely. And I think that's really amazing. So I just want to encourage you guys that you might have done something wrong that might be um, hidden from other people, and it might even be eating you up inside, and you old ones as well. You might be doing stuff that might be wrong, and you know it's wrong, and it might be really eating you inside. 
But just remember that God is an amazing and faithful and kind God, full of grace and full of forgiveness. And if you come to him and ask forgiveness of your sins, he forgets your sins completely. And the wonderful thing is, if you ask for forgiveness of your sins, he forgets it completely. And at the end of our lives, we can have an eternity in heaven with him, which is amazing, isn't it? Thank you ever so much for listening. You can go back to your seats now. Thank you, John. Well, let's pray again together. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the good news of the gospel. Lord, we thank you that as we uh, sung about your holiness and your greatness, and then we've just thought of our sinfulness and our rebellion against you, and to, to see how that those two can be reconciled is just beyond our imagination. Lord, if you gave us what we deserved, we would be vaporized at best. We would be sent straight to hell. Because all of us, as we come into this world, are under the wrath of God. And justly and fairly, which meets the righteous standards of your holiness. And yet through wonderful grace and mercy that we can never get to the bottom of, you have sent your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, so that all of our sins and rebellion, all of our filth and guilt can be laid on Jesus. Lord, what good news that is for each one of us this morning. And for those of us who've been convicted of our sin and realise the things that we've done, that is exceptionally good news. And it makes our hearts want to praise you it makes us want to devote our whole lives to you because we realise something, just a small amount, of the cost to do that for us. Lord, how we thank you. Thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you for your love, Heavenly Father, for sending him. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for convincing us of our need of Jesus and leading us to him. And Lord, for those of us who who don't know you, we're still living in our sin and we're still living daily under the wrath of God. We pray that your Holy Spirit will convict us of our sin, show us our great need of Jesus. We pray that your Holy Spirit will regenerate us, will give us new birth and faith to put our trust in Christ, to run to him for safety, for freedom from our sin. Oh Lord, to God be the glory for what great things he's done for us. And so Lord, whatever, whatever concerns we have in our lives, we surely are full of praise for your mercy and your love and your grace toward us in Jesus. And Lord, as we've uh, spoken to the, young, the children this morning, John has, we pray that they will grasp this. That at an early age, they will seek the Lord and find him. Lord, we pray for our children and we see around us the evil in this wretched world which seems to be encroaching more powerfully and more closely on us and our children. We pray that you'll protect them. We pray you'd help us to feed them with the truth of your word. Lord, we pray against the aggressive, vile evil that is pushed their way. We pray that you'll bring to nothing the plans of those who have such a loud, aggressive voice to push their worldview, their godless evilness. And Lord, we pray that the light of the gospel will shine even in their hearts because they need your mercy too. And so, Lord, help us as Christians, as Christian parents, as we seek to defend the Christian faith, and defend our children. Help us to do that with grace and humility. Because the world looks at what a Christian is like and points the finger if they can. So Lord, help us to stand firm in your truth and your word. But help us to do that with gentleness and compassion for others who are lost. Lord, bless our families. Bless our parents with the busyness and stress of life. Lord, bless 
enable them and empower them to live God-honoring lives that will be a great example to their children. And Lord, we confess that so often we get that wrong, that we too are on a learning course to train our children and help us through each phase of that to rely on your grace and your strength and the truth of your word. Lord, we pray for our Sunday school. Thank you for the party they had yesterday. We thank you for the opportunity we have to teach your word to them. We pray for the teenagers in Rooted too, and ask that um, as they uh, grow older that there will be a, a greater longing and hunger for your truth and not for the emptiness of this world. Lord, we pray for our first steps and toddlers group and uh, you know the energy that's required to run that each week. We thank you for our team who work so hard with that. We pray you'll give them energy for this coming Thursday. And we're just really praying, Lord, for good chats with parents, with good opportunities to uh, invite people to the Hope Explored course and to Sunday school. Lord, we pray your blessing on these different events. And, and Lord, we, we pray for when there are times when progress seems slow and there seems so many, so few opportunities to really get the gospel across to people. We pray that we won't grow weary in doing good because you've promised that if we don't give up, there will be a time of reaping, a time of harvest. Lord, we pray for other churches. Lord, we know that for many it's a discouraging uh, work with very few uh, people to work, to help, to support. But Lord, we thank you that you're the God who gives energy. You're the God who gives success and blessing. And we pray for gospel churches locally and further afield, that great encouragements will be given through their attempts to spread the gospel. Help them to keep letting that net down over the side of the boat, uh, not to give up in the work of the Lord. And we pray too for James and Rachel. We pray for the Saywells in the Philippines. We pray for Dr. Rosie in Papua New Guinea, and we can think of others. We pray for the Savannah Education Trust and different contacts that we have. We pray that you'll give them great success this year in the Lord's work. Lord, that many people will, uh, be, will see the light of the gospel, will be drawn to you, and will be brought into your kingdom. Lord God, we pray you'd help us in our working lives. We pray for Kate and Becca in their responsibilities within school life. We pray for those in the healthcare and those who care for people in different ways. We ask that you give them compassion, patience and love. Lord, help us in whatever our employment is, that you'd help us to be a good witness to others and that even in the what might seem the monotonous parts of life, we will worship you, giving thanks that you've given us health and strength and employment. Bless our older folk in the struggling years of life, maybe. Lord, do strengthen them. We pray for those who are lonely and struggling. Lord, we ask that you'll draw near to them. We thank you for this church, a place of family, a place of love and fellowship. Lord, help each one of us to keep the unity that you've given us, that we'll love each other in a way which is free and full of grace, holding no grudges or unforgiveness. And bless us, we pray. Lord, help John as he preaches this morning. Help Mark as he preaches this evening. Their great task of directing us back to God and to your word. Help them in that responsibility, but help us in our responsibility to hear and to be doers of your word and not hearers only. And this we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, our third song uh, talks to us of the work of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and how amazingly we inherit the great blessings that God has for us. So let's stand and sing before John comes to preach for us.
So we're on page 985 uh, of uh, the Bible, last one in the series on Colossians. Um, and I want to ask, does this list of names mean anything to you? Pew, Pew, Barney McGrew, Cuthbert, Dibble, Grub. It's a few smiles and a few bewildered looks. Anyone know what it's from? I'd pew, Pew, Barney McGrew, Cuthbert, Dibble, Grub. Trumpton. Trumpton, children's programme, 1970s. So some of us are showing our age. And it was the fire brigade uh, roll call, which happened nearly every episode. And Captain Flack, who was the chief fire officer, called out the names of the firemen before heading out on their mission uh, through Trumpton Village. Perhaps somebody had poured petrol on a fire or something. And uh, those of us that watch Trumpton and love Trumpton, uh, the list means quite a lot, actually. It comes to my mind from time to time. In fact, I know it's a bit sad, but I even showed my daughters a little clip of the roll call uh, a few uh, weeks ago because it was coming to my mind. And so the list means quite a lot to some of us. Now, as we come to the end of Colossians... um, we come to what seems like just a a list of names. Over ten of them. And they're not particularly well-known names these days. And it may seem like nothing as you first read it through. A rather dull end to this letter. But uh, like the list of names I started with at the start of this message... As we get to know the list, it means something different. And I find myself quite excited this week to be looking through this list and what's said about it and to come to this morning and to speak about this passage. I've enjoyed thinking about it. This is more than just a bunch of names. This has purpose. It has lessons. There are reasons why this list is added to the end of this letter to the Colossians. And this morning I'm going to pick out three particular lessons that are here which I think will be helpful for us today. But first just to give a little bit of an overview of the names in this list. Uh, First we have a couple of postmen, two of them. Tychicus and Onesimus. That is verses 7 to 9 of this chapter 4. Then we have some that really, if you like, Paul, who are with Paul, who want to say hi, who want to send their greetings to the Colossians. Sometimes if you're on a, a, a phone call or a, a Zoom call or... A Skype call. There may be other family members around who want to speak to the person you're speaking to. And so they come and wave on screen, or maybe they pass, send my love, you know, tell them to keep up the good work, hope it goes well next Thursday, and they pass their message on. Well, here you have several people who are with Paul who want to pass that message on, a message of greetings on. There are six in verses 10 to 14. You have Aristarchus and Mark and Jesus, who was being called Justice, which you can understand why, because it might be a little bit confusing. Jesus was a common name in those days and perhaps a little bit strange to be called Jesus when you're a Christian. So he was now called Justice. And you had Epaphras and Luke and Demas. Interestingly, um, two of those are gospel writers, Right, the accounts of the life of Jesus that we have in the Bible. And that's interesting because sometimes people say that that Jesus and Paul have quite a different take on things. Well, of course, that's not the case. And that certainly doesn't fit well with the fact that Paul had close friends who were gospel writers. And then there are some that Paul wants to pass on his wishes to in Colossae and the surrounding area. 
And he has a letter for some of them as well. There's a second letter coming. And uh, Nympha and Archippus get a special mention at that phase towards the end in verses 15 to 18. And then Paul uh, takes up the pen himself, probably off Timothy, who perhaps been writing it on his behalf, and he wants to sign off the letter himself. So some of these names are going to crop up as we look uh, at this passage. What does all this convey? Why, why does Paul spend time on this? This is the longest list of, of people outside of the letter to Romans. What does it say to you and to me in 2023? And I suggest there are three things, at least. And the first is this, close relationships. Close relationships. I've got a fair bit to say about this. Uh, we live at a time when many relationships are, are, are fractured and broken and shallow. It's a bit of a feature of our age. And people find themselves um, isolated, uh, alone, uh, without a sense of belonging. And uh, maybe you can identify with that. Maybe you have 400 friends on Facebook, but you're not sure how many of them are really friends. Maybe you have a, a biological family of quite a few people, but sometimes it doesn't really feel like family. Well, the way this letter finishes points to, to close relationships. Close relationships not through direct family, or not just because they live next door, or not because you share an office with them, but close relationships through the gospel, through knowing Jesus. And being a Christian should bring us into close relationships. Notice how some are described. So the two postmen, Archippus, verse 7, is, no, Tychicus, sorry, verse 7, is described as a beloved brother. Beloved, we don't use that word so much these days. A well-loved, much-loved brother. Onesimus is a beloved, a well-loved brother, verse 9. And what are the Christians in the neighbouring town of Laodicea, verse 15? Well, they're, they're brothers. They're brothers. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea. They're like family. There's warmth, there's concern, there's interest, there's togetherness. Family language. And there's also a sense of partnership between these different people. You, you come across this word fellow. And fellow is partner, really. It was often a business partner word. They're in it together. So Tychicus is a fellow servant Verse 7. Aristarchus, in verse 10, is a fellow prisoner. Paul was with some people who, in verse 11, are called fellow workers. And, and knowing Jesus as Saviour, it does do that. It brings in a, a new family, if you like, a new purpose, new partners, a new togetherness, a new sense of belonging, close relationships. I find it um, lovely that in the account of when Saul was converted in Acts 9, and he had been a real opposer of the church, putting people in prison when he was converted. One of the people who speaks to him soon afterwards, perhaps the first Christian he has contact with, calls him Brother Saul. Immediately, he's sort of in the family, despite what had happened. Have you found that? Close relationships through your faith, through knowing Jesus. Would it be good if you did find that? It's often been something that's attracted people to the message of Jesus when they've seen the close relationships that there seems to be with those who know Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. 
Well, it's extra striking when you see how varied they are, just in this little sample that we've got at the end of this letter to Colossians, because it goes across gender. You've got male and female. It goes across social standing. There's at least one of them who was a slave, Onesimus, and others of them are free. You've got prisoners. You've got a doctor. It goes across if you like, cultural chasms. Of the six who send their greetings, who say hi with Paul, three of them are Jews, he says, they're of the circumcision, they're Jews. And three of them are not Jews, they're Gentiles. And that was a massive division in that society, so that so much of the time one lot wouldn't even eat with the other lot, and yet here they are together as family close relationships, diverse people coming together because of their faith in Jesus and what Jesus has done for them. It is wonderful the way the gospel unites people together from different backgrounds. Some of them had a especially checkered background. Mark had been a failure earlier in his Christian life and had let Paul down badly which is why there needs to be that extra reassurance to them about Mark, that when he comes, concerning whom you've received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him, because he'd flopped. Anesimus had been a runaway slave who'd stolen from his master but who was now returning as a converted person who'd become a Christian to say sorry and apologise. Um, heard this week of somebody who watched Billy Graham's funeral. I haven't seen it, so I'm going from what they said. Billy Graham was a, a very famous preacher in, in America through last century, who died in recent years. And... Um, at his funeral, his children all gave a short account and uh, one of his daughters stood up and she was all prim and well-dressed and spoke very eloquently. She spoke of her dad and the way in which her dad read her Bible to her when she was younger and she had lived, seemed to have lived, if you like, a very straight life. Then another daughter stood up and she was somewhat unkept and she talked about leaving the family. She talked about the mess she'd made in her relationships. And then of coming to her senses and returning home to her family and to God. And there they were both together in the line of a family. With such different histories and different stories. And it is like that in the church, in the gospel family. Some people's lives have been very checkered. Some people's lives have been very up and down. So they've been very zigzag. Other people's lives, on the surface at least, seem to have been a straight line. But there they are together, side by side, as people who know Jesus as Saviour. And so these close relationships here reflected in these verses in the comments, they're then worked through, or they should be worked through, Tychicus was to encourage hearts. The Jews in Rome with Paul are people that give comfort to Paul. Uh, we should prize these close relationships. Um, somebody at our home group this last week was saying about what they say about the church here. And they say, oh, I say it's one big family. Oh, it was lovely, very encouraging. Praise God where that's the case. We apologise where it's not the case. We should seek it. Close relationships, a gospel, good news, family. And it's not confined to just a single local church. Paul was in Rome, probably, with others. The receivers are in Colossae. There are others at Hierapolis and Laodicea. And uh, there's a, this sort of greetings and love and purpose and partnership shared between them. And it's good to have good, strong, close relationships with uh, Christians who are at, in different churches 
but who love the gospel and love the word of God. Some of the young people at our uh, New Year's Eve prayer meeting were praying especially along these lines of the blessing of contact with Christians in other churches who love the gospel. Close relationships to be prized, to be sought for, and especially coming through knowing Jesus. But then as we look at the, the list, I, I think we see good examples And I think this is part of the purpose of this passage, that Paul is highlighting good examples. He's drawing attention to certain people so that it encourages the Colossians to be like them, to value them, to receive them, to listen to them, to to keep in the message that these people stand for and work for. Here's just a few. Tychicus, the sacrificial encourager. Now maybe um, you post the occasional letter, perhaps you did the rounds in December, uh, dropping off Christmas cards at some people's houses, Um, maybe it even felt a bit of an effort, it took a couple of hours out of your time. Well, think of Tychicus carrying this letter and another one probably to Philemon, and who'd also taken one to Ephesus, and he travelled hundreds of miles, uh, mostly on foot, but involving two sea journeys as well, with a wanted criminal next to him all the way. He loved the Lord. He loved Paul. He loved the Colossians. Jesus had laid down his life for Tychicus, and Tychicus wanted to be sacrificial in his concern for others. And so it says in verse 7, Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He's a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that he may know, you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. We have Colossians in front of us because of Tychicus. He's been a source of encouragement. And encouraging others, don't you find sometimes is, um, and facilitating the gospel, it's, it's, it can be draining work. It can be hard. It can be a big effort. You meet up with somebody and In many ways, in your mood, you could do without it. You message somebody when you really, you'd much prefer to be on your own personal news feed. You have a conversation when you'd much rather retreat to a little bit of social isolation, freedom from the social strains. Tychicus, a sacrificial encourager. Epaphras, the prayer warrior. Um, Epaphras was a man who was originally, who originally brought the gospel to Colossians. We found out about that at the start of the letter. He was a local man. He was one of them. He's now with Paul, but he hasn't forgotten. He hasn't forgotten the Colossians, and he prays for them. Uh, a few years ago, I went to a conference and uh, there were two talks there given by an Irishman on Epaphras. And they were really helpful. And they, were, they made a significant impact on my prayer life at the time. I need things to make a significant impact on my prayer life. And I wouldn't want you to over-exaggerate how big a step up it was. But it was a significant as I look back in terms of my prayer life. And maybe reading of Epaphras will help you in a similar way this morning. This is what it says of him in verses 12 and 13. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you, and for those in Laodicea 
and Hierapolis. We heard a little bit about him last week, didn't we? And Epaphras prayed. And Epaphras prayed hard. And he, Epaphras kept praying. And what did he want for them as he kept praying for the Colossians back home? He prayed that they may stand mature and be fully assured in all the will of God. He wanted them to be mature, well-grounded Christians. So out of love, he, he prayed for them. Now, prayer is not the easiest thing, is it? And we are prone not to bother, and we're prone to leave it to others. Is there scope for us, out of love, to be a bit more committed to pray for some people? Are there some people you love that you could struggle a bit more in prayer for? Um, we had a, a Christmas card uh, from uh, one of Esther's aunties, and um, she's largely housebound, but in her Christmas card she put, she prays daily for us. Can't say it works the other way around at all, but that's what it, she prays daily for us. I remember her saying as well um, that she prayed for an MP who is also a, a relative of hers, I think a, a nephew, uh, uh, somebody who was actually here when he was younger and used to come here to uh, some of the services and the Sunday school and she prays for him daily. I don't suppose he knows she does. Prayer warrior. I'm not saying that we need to be legalistic and have a massive list of praying for people every day. Most of us couldn't cope with that. But are there some that you could pray for more often and really struggle on their behalf before the Lord for them? The last example I, I want to pick out is Nympha, the church host. Now, in some manuscripts, there's a, a debate about whether Nympha is a lady or if it's Nymphus, a man, but the balance seemed to suggest uh, that uh, it is a her, Nympha, the church host. And she's a big help to the believers at Laodicea. Uh, presumably, she's well off. She's not got a, a rabbit hutch of a house. And she opens her house for the church to meet in. Verse 15, give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. Well, I don't suppose it was all that easy, do you? Perhaps there was some furniture moving that had to happen Saturday night. Um, perhaps she gave some refreshments, so her own supplies of drink and biscuits or the equivalent got rather low over the weekend. I guess it left a, left a little bit of a, a mess around the place. I guess all those sandals in the hallway <laughs> meant there was some sweeping up afterwards. Perhaps there was a bit of a stale smell around with so many bodies in the place for a service. But Nympha opened up her house so that the believers could meet together and worship God and hear the truth. Well, it's good if you've been blessed with space and the ability to use it, to open it up to host others, to be a blessing, to be an encouragement. And hopefully now we're hopefully well beyond the COVID situation, which made us all inward and private, more and more our homes are opening up to be a blessing to others. So, on foot, in prayer, in hospitality, some good examples for the Colossians, for us, of gospel people. But there's one more note that I, I think deserves to be flagged up, and that's this. Something about faithful Christians, good 
relationships. Good examples, faithful Christians. Remember the Colossians were, were tempted to move away from Christ. Even though he was the son who created all things and upheld all things, even though he was the saviour who took people's sins away on the cross, even though he was the only hope, they were getting tempted to move away from the gospel. And they needed encouragement to be faithful, to be loyal, to stick with it. Perhaps you need that encouragement. You're the only Christian in your class. You're the only Christian in your workplace. You're the only Christian in the family. You need encouragement to be faithful. And faithfulness here is encouraged through the delivery men. Because they're both described as faithful. Tychicus, a faithful minister. Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother. It comes in an encouragement, I love this, to Archippus. I've been thinking a bit about this this week. Archippus. There's a personal word here for somebody in Colossae, possibly in Laodicea. I think perhaps he was a bit discouraged in his service. Maybe he was about to give up. His morale was low. Perhaps he was tempted to walk away and his name is mentioned. As the letter is read out, we get to verse 17. And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry you have received in the Lord. A word from me, from the Apostle Paul specifically for my situation. See that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. Be faithful, keep going. And maybe you are sagging. You've lost a sense of direction. Your morale is low. You're finding it hard to keep going. And maybe this little snippet to Archippus is a good snippet for you this morning. See that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. Be faithful. Faithful Christians. And then, of course, finally, there's Paul himself. So the last few words are in his handwriting. He's grabbed the pen from Timothy and he wants to close the letter with his own brushstrokes. And this is what he puts in verse 18. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. He's in prison for Christ. Don't forget that, Colossians. He's faithful to the gospel, even to being under house arrest or in prison. Faithful Christians. So, maybe at first, as we read through this a bit earlier in the service, it felt like a a meaningless list, a pew-pew, Barney-McGrew sort of list. But I hope as we've tracked our way through it, it's come to life and you've seen the purpose that God has in leaving this in his word, to encourage close relationships, to urge us to follow good examples of sacrificial encouragement, prayer and hospitality and to keep faithful to the Lord, to his gospel, and to his calling. I'll just leave a, a, a moment, like we do sometimes, for you to perhaps pick out one of these aspects and turn it into a, a relevant prayer for you before we have our closing hymn.
Well, we come then to our, our last song, which is a, a, a song, a hymn, which just reflects the, the beauty of Christian uh, love and companionship and friendship. Blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love, the fellowship of kindred minds foreshadows that above. blessing of the gospel family and we thank you to be able to track through the gospel family referred to here in this letter and to to absorb lessons which are helpful for us in our lives and outlook today we pray that those lessons may stay with us for our good for the blessing of others and for the glory of your great and holy name. Amen.